0: Good morning. morning. Hey guys. Um, We have a number of uh, prospective students and families here this morning. Would you please stand? Stand up so we can say hello. Come on. There it is. All right. Uh, Welcome. We are really grateful that you're here and I'm, I'm grateful that you can be here to worship with us this morning. Um, so there are a couple of themes in scripture and every time they come up, um, there are themes that I find myself sort of always deeply longing for. Um, when Paul talks about having a clear conscience in Christ, it's one of those things that that, that deep kind of soul longing, like the desire for that clear conscience in Christ. Um, another is, is when Paul is talking about freedom in Christ, that we are created to be free in Christ. Um, Again, sort of that deep soul longing. And I'm guessing that that's, that's somewhat universal to all of us, right? We hear freedom, and even if we don't have like a particular specific definition for it, our hearts still long for it because we all have things that we want to be free from. And I think when we tend to think of freedom, we think of freedom from something in order that we can do something that we want. So when you think about like financial freedom, right? Financial freedom, you think, I wish that I were free of the bills of the the debt that I have so that I could then do what I want with my money. Perhaps it's um, uh, technology. Perhaps we feel like we're in bondage to technology. We wanna be free from the technology that sort of um, uh, uh, holds us in bondage, free from it so that we could then do what we want with our time and not feel somewhat beholden uh, to it. Um, perhaps it's free from what others think of us, right? We, we know it's good to care what others think, but sometimes we're, we're bound by what others think of us and we wanna be free from that so that we can then in turn be who we actually are uh, without fear. Um, but what's more important than all of those kinds of freedom is understanding and grasping what it means to be free in Christ, to actually have freedom in Jesus. And that was so deep and dear to Paul and to Paul's heart. So when uh, in the church of Galatia, when there are these Jewish Christians who are coming in and telling the Gentile Christians that they need to be circumcised, that they need to be following the basic tenets of the Jewish law, Paul comes in with, with a ferocity, if you will, because Paul knows what it is to be under bondage to law. So today we're gonna look at a passage from uh, Galatians chapter five. And my hope for this morning is really very simple. I hope that you come away with a deeper understanding of what freedom in Christ is, that you have a deeper understanding of the fruits of the spirit, and that the understanding of those two things will make you love Jesus even more. So let's pray and ask God to bless our time together. Father. Um, Thank you that you are so good and so gracious and so kind to us. Thank you for your steadfast love. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin. And thank you, Lord, that you reveal yourself to us in your holy scriptures. Will you please, Lord, um, by the power of your spirit, be with us this morning. Will you give us tender hearts, uh, tender ears, that we might hear the words that you have for us. Lord, be with us, we ask in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to start in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. And the context, like I said, is, is Paul addressing this idea of Jewish Christians who are telling Gentile Christians that they need to be circumcised, that they need to be watching dietary laws in order to truly be a Christian. And Paul says, you, my brothers and sisters, and, and instead of reading the whole thing, we're going to un- let it unfold for itself as we move. Okay? So he starts and he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Now hear that, let that just kind of ring for a moment in your ear. You are called to freedom in Christ. He's saying you are free. You are free from bondage to sin and to self and to death. You are saved. You are saved by grace alone. You are saved by faith alone through Christ alone. And anything at all that gets added onto that, anything else is a curse that's being added onto you. And Paul says, and I know what that curse is, and I know what that curse is like. I know what it is to labor under a curse of the law that you can never perfectly fulfill. But that's not you. You're called to freedom in Christ. You are free from sin and guilt and death, and you are free from the law. And it makes me think of Martin Luther, right? So Luther who couldn't confess enough. He drove his superiors crazy. He couldn't confess his sin enough over and over and over. And he recognized deeper and deeper and deeper sin. And then he'd go and do penance and he realized there weren't enough stairs for him to clean and scrub with a toothbrush. And then you are saved by faith alone and go in this whole world. You're free in Christ. And that's where Paul starts, you my brothers and sisters were called to be free. Now, what do you do with your freedom? Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. So like all this kind of the, if you will, and it's lame, but indulge me. um, The Augustus Gloop phenomena, right? So what happens in Willy Wonka when when the the children get into the actual chocolate room? Do you remember this? And of course we're referencing the original with Gene Wilder, 1971, fantastic film, great year. Um, But they they get there and and Willy Wonka opens the door and they see the majesty of it, right? And he tells them they can eat an Augustus Kloop overwhelmed by the desires and passions of his flesh tears off and he ends up down at the chocolate river and he's leaned over in his little German short suit with his tie and knee socks. And he's just scooping the chocolate into his mouth. And Willy Wonka's like, no, stop, wait, wait. And he just keeps going. He falls over, of course, and goes up the the tube. Um, But Paul's saying, you're free, but don't squander it. Do not use your freedom to indulge your flesh. Paul is concerned about indulging the flesh. And we want to be clear about what Paul is talking about here. In a moment, Paul's going to bring in this, this idea of flesh and spirit, right? We're not talking like a dualism. Flesh, flesh is bad, spirit is good. Instead, when Paul is talking about flesh here, he's talking about the man, the woman, apart from Jesus Christ and the power of the spirit. It's the desires of the whole person without Christ and without being guided by Christ, okay? So it's not the physical flesh over against the spiritual. It's the flesh is us in our desires when our desires are not guided and directed by the Spirit of God. So Paul says, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. The flesh is that desire that we have, not guided by Jesus, instead, Here's what you were to do, rather serve one another humbly in love for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, what do you do with your freedom? What are you created to do? Paul says, use it to serve, use it to care for others. You are free from bondage to self. And when you're free from bondage to self, now serve others. See them. You've been given a new heart and now you have new eyes. See them in their needs. Care for them in love and in humility. Because the reality is when you are in bondage to self, you are the only most important thing. When you are in bondage to self, your eyes are always turned inward. Paul says you have a new heart. You have new eyes. You now have the ability to actually see others and to love them with the love of Christ. And the fun part is that when you do that, you actually fulfill the whole law that these Judaizers are trying to get you to fulfill just parts of, to obey just parts of the law. But Paul says, no, no, no. If you love others with the love of Christ, you'll actually be fulfilling the whole law. And it's so beautiful and it's so simple, right? Listen to this. They're telling you, you have to follow the law in order to be a faithful Christian. Listen, you're free in Christ, you're truly free. Now don't use your freedom to be selfish and indulge yourself, to indulge your own uh, selfish desires. Instead, serve one another in humility with love and that actually fulfills the whole law that they're trying to get you to be obedient to small parts of. And then he drops this piece in at the end. And no, the reality is you will destroy one another in the church if you're not loving one another. So with that said, I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Okay, so walk by the spirit. If you walk by the spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You won't because you can't do both at the same time. They are contrary to one another. So think of it like this. Think of it like two paths that you have the choice and ability to walk down either. One path is a path completely surrounded by mirrors. And when you walk this path, the reflection, all you see is yourself. So you walk and you're unable, incapable to see others because your eyes are turned inward on self. That's bondage to self. But then there's another path. There's a path of of light that you're able to walk and you have eyes to see and it's populated with others. And you're able to see their needs. You're able to see how you can reach out and care for and love them. So Paul says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It is impossible to walk both paths at the same time. You can't be walking down a path full of mirrors where all you can see is yourself and be loving people. And the beauty is when you're walking a path where all you see is out and others and you can serve and love others, beauty is your eyes won't turn in on self. It is not how it works. Flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and spirit what is contrary to the flesh. And remember, we're not talking dualism here. We're talking the spirit being governed by the spirit of God versus not being governed by the spirit of God. And this is what goes on in every Christian believer. We are indwelt by the spirit. We are made new creations in Christ, but we still do battle with the corrupt man, flesh. And isn't this this the great mystery, right? How do I have a new heart? How do I have a new heart and still desire sin? How is that possible? I have a friend, a mentor who talks about it like this. He says, look, when the spirit of God indwells you, he gives you a new heart. He removes your heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh. And if you take that heart of flesh and send it out into battle against sin and temptation by itself, it will lose every single time. But when your heart is aligned with Jesus Christ and with the power of the Spirit, it can be victorious every single time. It seems wrong, but that's reality and it's beautiful. It's only when our new heart is aligned with the Son of God and the Spirit that it can prevail. That's freedom. Now we may still ask, what does Paul mean when he says, actually walking in the Spirit, walking by the Spirit? And he tells us, he does it with an illustration that we usually don't think of in the context of this passage. We don't think of it in the context of serving. We usually pull the fruits of the spirit out and say, here's what it looks like to be a Christian in your life, right? But given the context of what's happening here, the flesh and the spirit, Paul says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness and orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. These are the acts. These are the desires of our heart when we are not governed by Jesus Christ. And if you look at them, there's a thread that weaves them all together, right? They are all good things that get turned and twisted inwardly, right? So look at this, a good thing, sexuality, becomes sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Worship becomes idolatry and witchcraft. Good, godly emotions become hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, ambition, dissensions, factions, envy. Communal gathering, which is what we need and reflects the triune God, becomes drunkenness, orgies, and the like. That is not how people who inherit the kingdom of God live. But the fruit of the spirit is this. Love, joy, you could probably all do it with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are good aimed outward in service and love of others. These are things that reflect the selfless love of Jesus, right? He is those things. Jesus, joyful, loving, joyful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, self-controlled. And I was thinking about that and I'm like, okay, is that, is that actually, am I right? Like, was Jesus joyful? Like, do you think about Jesus as being joyful? So I whipped out my concordance and did a little, little it's all over the place right and when jesus prays he prays that his joy may be ours so that our joy may be complete in him see self controlled oh gosh yes but so beautifully self controlled he could have called down angels he could have brought stones to life but he was so fully submitted to the will of the father Oh, such beautiful self-control. The fruits of the spirit are Jesus, how he lived, what he imparts to us. So the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such thing, there is no law because it is God's character. So walking in the spirit is very simple. Walking in the spirit of God is loving others and reflecting the love of God to them with the fruit of the Spirit. It is the opposite of twisting good things inward and letting them become perverted and evil. The fruits of the Spirit, they don't just mark us, it's how we care for others. And then Paul says, those who belong to Jesus Christ have been crucified or have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the spirit, let us keep step with the spirit. For I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me and through me. I am a new creation in Christ. The old has gone and the new has come. And he's simply saying, if you claim to have new life by the spirit, then live a life that's actually controlled by the Spirit. That is freedom. That's freedom in Christ, the ability to be free from self so that we might actually love others with the fruits of the Spirit. So I don't usually do this, but it's kind of cool the way this works out. If you take that whole passage and that whole progression of thought and movement and flip it, and turn it backwards. Watch where it goes. You're a new creation in Christ. So live by the spirit that's given you new life. Be loving, be joyful, be peaceful and patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and self-controlled with others so that you will reflect how Jesus loves people The opposite is to be self-centered, turning good things to bad by focusing them on yourself, resulting in evil like sexual immorality and idolatry and hate and drunkenness. And those two things, those two different kinds of fruit can't go together. That's the flesh versus the spirit because you have the spirit, you can truly love people. And then back to the very beginning, you are called to be free and that is freedom. So friends, Please hear this. You can be free, really and truly free. You can walk in the spirit of God. You can walk in that path of the light of God with eyes fresh and new, seeing the needs of others. Free from bondage to self so that you can actually care for and love them. Paul says, love them in humility because you know what you have been forgiven of. And the Spirit gives you the power to do it. The Spirit gives you the power to love people, to rejoice with people, to make peace with them, to be patient with them, to be kind to them, to be good to them, to be faithful to them, to be gentle with them, to be self-controlled with them. The Spirit enables you to reflect Jesus Christ, to others. That is the kingdom of heaven come on earth. That is freedom in Christ. And that is what we are called to. Our savior loves us. He gave his life for us with a love unimaginable on the cross, dying in our place, so that we might be brought back into right relationship with the father. And he says, by the power of the spirit, I'm gonna give you the ability to reflect that same love. And that is what it means to be free in Christ. Amen? Amen, let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are our great God and King, our merciful and kind savior. Thank you for the obedience that you showed. Thank you for the love that you demonstrated. Thank you for saving us. And thank you, Lord, for sending Holy Spirit. He might come and indwell us, that we might be the first truly free people in all of history, knowing you in a way that Abraham, Moses, David, Isaiah didn't because they didn't have your spirit dwelling within them. Oh, what a great and marvelous and humbling truth that is. Lord, thank you that you give us freedom. Thank you that we are actually able to reflect you to others. Help us, Lord, to turn our eyes outward. Forgive us when we indulge our flesh and when we run to the flesh. But, Lord, will you, by the power of your spirit, draw us close to you so that we might reflect you to those around us. Lord, we give you thanks and praise and all of our love. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen.